welcome to episode 72 of the Lace Mob Podcast. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. And it's the playoff edition. We know who's going off against one another. And uh, two very familiar teams for the first time ever are meeting in the playoffs. Uh, myself and Brett Duboff know those two teams very, very well. Uh, so we'll talk about that. Also, uh, apparently... The NHL non-playoff teams are wasting very little time making changes. Apparently, uh, three coaches are out. We're going to talk about that in the rapid fire, as well as an update on the Frozen Four and the CHL playoffs. But first and foremost, shout-outs to all the players past and present who have worn number 72 in the NHL. Uh, Sergei Bobrovsky, of course, um, one of the few goalies on this list to do so. He still wears number 72 with the Blue Jackets. In 1994 with the Islanders, Ron Hextall wore that number, believe it or not. Um, Jonas Rask, Tuka Rask's brother in 2013, wore that number. Uh, Eric Cole, Patrick Hornquist, Andreas Athanasiu, Artemi Panarin, Alex Kovalev with the Penguins in 2011, Anthony Beauvillier, Matthew Schneider, Frank Vetrano, and eventually he'll make a name out of himself for wearing this number, Thomas Shabbat. Uh, in his short time with the Sens so far, which will probably be um, Next year. a lengthy career with the Sens. Uh, he's worn number 72 as well. So to all of them uh, and to the Joe Lewis Arena for many, many years of great memories, this podcast is for you. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. So today is a very special episode today, not only because it's our playoff preview, but also because it's we usually record on, on Sunday, we're usually more relaxed, but uh, today I just had class um, and Steve is about to go to work very soon, so we have to do this very rushed. Um, and that's why if you hear eating noises, that's because I'm eating lunch. Um, just an FYI. Um, let's get going though. Uh, let's start with the, um, I guess we can start with the Atlantic division, but before we talk about our two teams, let's talk about the Montreal Canadiens and the New York Rangers, which will be our first matchup here. Um, the Montreal Canadiens are, this is the few matchups where the underdog, I think this is the only matchup, actually, where the underdog um, has more points than the uh, the home team or the, you well, know, the favorite. I actually, I actually checked the standings. Apparently, Montreal finished with 103 points. The Rangers finished with 102. Oh, never mind. That, that's but, wrong. But, but it's the closest you, deficit, right? Time, for the longest time, that was the case. For the yep. longest time, that was the case. I believe that's the closest deficit. So I was wrong on that. Off the bat, I was already wrong. <laughs> but... Um, I think that's I think that's the closest between the two any matchup so far. I can say that. At it, least. Would, <laughs> it would have been interesting though, hypothetically, if the Rangers finish higher points wise than Montreal. Even though Montreal's won the division, the Rangers are a wild card team. Yeah. Who gets home ice? I'd love to see Batman answer that. Well, I would assume it's Montreal because they won the division, they won the right? Division, yeah. But like it, it just it just shows how crazy the metropolitan division is. Is that like, you know, like three, four, almost four of the teams are better than 
the Atlantic. Well, and now three of the teams are better than the Atlantic just by points, um, yeah. which is kind of crazy. Um, which is why I think that the Rangers actually have a legitimate shot at beating the Montreal Canadiens because, like, I guess it depends on how good the Metropolitan is than the Atlantic is, but um, a lot of this will have to do with how, you know, for the Rangers' success will have to do with Henrik Lundqvist um, and if he can get going, but also expect a very low-scoring series just because of Lundqvist and Carey Price. Uh, two of the best goaltenders in the game right now. So, um, I don't know. I, I think it'll be tough for Montreal, but I think they'll eat it out. So, I'm going to say, like, Montreal in six or seven. Yeah, I'm, I'm just taking a look at the Rangers. Uh, their leading score at season's end was Zuccarello. Um, as of two weeks ago, though, it was JT Miller. He gets yep. a career-high 56 points, 22 goals, six game winners. Um, Jimmy VC. Scored 16 total goals in 80 games, yet six of them were game winners. So he also had an impressive rookie campaign. Uh, Kreider had a career-high 28 goals. Uh, McDonough got 15 of his 42 points with the extra man, second most on the team. Uh, they bring in Mikhail Grabner at, I think, $1 million, and he gets 27 goals, the second highest of his career, the highest he's ever scored since 2010-2011 when he got 34 with the Islanders. Um and then you have these newcomers on defense, Brady Skay, uh, 39 points in the back end. He's a rookie. And then Nick Holden, coming in from Colorado, chimes in with 34 points. I thought it was Brady Shea. Yeah, I think that's yeah, it's his name is tough for, to pronounce. I probably botched it. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, forgive me, Brady, if I mispronounced your last name. That's probably going to happen more I'm often sure than once. I'm sure he's listening in open ears right now. Yeah, I'm going to watch the he entire playoffs. He has a chip on his shoulder now. get his name right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the bigger question, though, and the bigger question with the Rangers is, can they score at this rate when the games really matter? I mean, you look at Rick Nash as a primary example. 416 goals in the regular season. In the playoffs, only got 12 to his name. And when the Rangers made their cup run back in 2014, he got three. Uh, so I'm interested to see how their offensive stars are going to fare in the playoffs. And again, you mentioned the biggest question is, which King Henrik uh, we're going to see yeah. because his 2.74 GAA, the highest of his NHL career, uh, last year, 15 goals against in a five-game series against the Penguins, which they lost. Um, and what also factors in is that the Habs are looking a bit more like themselves lately. Uh, Brendan Gallagher stepped it up lately. They've gone 8-3-1 over their last 12. They've given up two goals or less in nine of their final 12 matches to end the year. If it turns into a goaltender's duel, I give a slight edge to Montreal, but don't expect this series to end in four or five games. I think it goes the distance, okay. and like you said, I think the Habs are going to sneak it out. Yeah, I actually I was just looking at the Rangers' stats. I didn't realize that they're fourth in goals per game right now. Um, mm-hmm. But like when you look at their statistics, they have three guys who have 55, like 50... No, four guys who have 50 or more points. Um, they don't have anyone above 60 points, but I guess they're just spread out that way. But yeah, we should also mm-hmm. talk about the Montreal Canadiens. I know we don't like them too much, but we should mention them. Um, Carey Price is good. They've been like a different team um, since uh, Therian's gotten fired, as we kind of suspected. Uh, but um, with Claude Julien in... Uh, thing it's like he's known for being a good playoff team so he's gonna be 
He's going to be tough to uh, deal with um, for Claude Julien, um, a Claude Julien-type team. Um, so, yeah, we shouldn't, like, underestimate the Montreal Canadiens, and um, they now have, a like, a capable coach who can uh, who's known to uh, go the distance with them. So we'll see. Um, the other big, the other big thing to keep in mind as well is is the health of Shea Weber. He mm-hmm. he missed the regular season. They're probably resting him mind you in the final couple of games, but yeah, um, it, it should be it should be noted uh, how much one hundred percent he is. And uh, um, and all, all, I was going to mention Alexander Radulov. Um, mm-hmm. He he had that uh, like playoff stint a couple of years ago um, for Nashville, and he like he didn't really do well. Um, yeah. And now, you know, it's his second chance to do it. So people love second chances, so we'll see if Alexander Lajolov can um, be that guy um, that he should yeah, have been in Nashville. I, I was about to allude to it as well, his partner yeah. Galchenyuk as well. I think that tandem is really yeah. going to dictate how good Montreal does in this series. That yeah. tandem needs to dominate. Exactly. All right, let's get talk about um, our two teams here. Ottawa, The Ottawa Senators... Face off against the Boston Bruins. Did you say that this is the first time we've played in the uh, first time ever in the playoffs? Wow. Can you believe that? I know. I was I was going to like because I figured you were going to do like the last time Toronto was in like the cup or whatever. Um, th- yeah. This 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 happened, but I was <laughs> I was going to do the same for Boston. And it was just, um, but uh, uh, it's been too recent for that. So. Um, yeah, so uh, since we last talked, Boston made the playoffs. Ottawa made the playoffs. Boston uh, had a, like a two-year drought. Um, it, it felt like even longer than that if you've lived in Boston forever. Um, but um, we're in. Uh, there was like some speculation that the Bruins would face off against Washington, but Toronto lost yesterday against the uh, the Blue Jackets. Um, and in regulation, which made, I guess Boston won the tiebreaker. They both have 95 yeah, points. Yeah, regulation overtime, yeah. that didn't screw up this year. Exactly. Um, yeah, I know, exactly. The, uh, the loser point helped us this year. Um, so, Ottawa clinched the second spot a while ago, I think, like, um, I think that was on Saturday, right? Yeah, against the Rangers, they yep. clinched home much with a win. Um... Tory, and I said, I said, I wanted to clinch against your yeah. Bruins, and that happened, didn't it? Yeah, well, sort, yeah, it did. I, that's that's one of those things where I hate the shootout because I felt like if it was longer than that, I feel like the Bruins like had the momentum all game, and then they could have won that overtime game. But um, but that should be a preview for what the playoffs will look like. Probably, it's going to be very tight, uh, very close. I feel like it's it's kind of weird to do this because we both know how our season has gone. Um, yeah, so the, uh, let's see, how do we start this? Um, I guess I'll start with the Bruins here. Um, the, uh, yeah, so the Bruins have been a different team with, uh, you know, like the uh, Montreal Canadiens when Claude Julien got fired. Um, they've been a completely different team with Bruce Cassidy um, in the net, all the younger guys um, have felt like more agile and stuff, and uh, and ready to go. Um, but um, yeah, I 
And then for Ottawa, they've been pretty solid all year under Guy Boucher. Um, I mean, I think you can talk more on that. Yeah, um, well, their penalty, wanna... kill, yeah. their penalty kill over the last four to five weeks hasn't been. Uh, right. Dropped from 8th to 18th. Okay, wow. So they dropped 10 spots in the penalty kill. That really, really concerned me. And, uh-huh. um, again, you would think that with the Sens facing the Leafs four times, facing Buffalo at least four times, going toe-to-toe with Montreal twice, that right. Ottawa would have faced Boston by now, but that wasn't the case. Yeah. Um, like they, this, they've been division but, rivals since Ottawa won 10 games in their yeah. first year, 92, 93. But you should, um, we should mention though, that in the season series, Ottawa is four Oh and Oh. Um, although the last game was a shootout, but, um, yeah. so the senators but have all of them were very season. close. All of yeah. them were decided by two goals or less. Yeah, exactly. Especially the last game where I felt like we should have won, but yeah, that's all right. Um, <laughs> The matchup I'm looking forward to, and probably you're going to love to hate, is uh-huh. Burroughs versus Marshawn. I can't wait to see those two jaw at each other. Yeah, that should be uh, interesting. Also, <laughs> so speaking of which, Guy Boucher also played uh, the Bruins um, in the 2011 playoffs as well as Alex Burroughs, but for different teams um, for obvious reasons. But um, yeah, it'll be uh, that that'll be exciting to see for sure. Marshawn uh, had this spearing. Uh, thing which we completely missed. He had he was suspended for the last two games, and there goes his Art Ross chances and his Hart Trophy chances. But hashtag Hart candidate Marshawn until further notice. It's dead now, um, unfortunately. But it's it's one of those things where Marshawn is has to be better than that. We've talked about this at length before, or when he slew foot that guy, and I think he got suspended before uh, this season too. It's like. Now that he's a scorer, he has to, you know, it's one of those things where the Bruins put more responsibility on Marshawn. It's, it's, uh, you can't be doing that kind of stuff. And so that's my bigger fear about Marshawn. It's like, yeah, it's great that he's scoring goals, and but like we kind of needed him against Ottawa and against Washington the last two games of the regular season. And, um, he, you know, he did, he did something really stupid. Um, so that, that I'm getting more and more frustrated with Marshawn. I used to be defensive of him, but now I'm like, well, I don't know. It's kind of weird. Um, I don't know if it was necessarily he, uh, so he got suspended because he, uh, he nut tapped, um, Dodgen from the Tampa Bay Lightning on Tuesday. Um, and he's like speared him with his stick. Um, it looked at first glance, it looked unintentional. But then he uh, skates by him again and starts, like, nudging Dodgson when he's on the ground. So that's kind of showed that maybe it wasn't as unintentional as it seems. Um, but, like, that's how Marshawn plays. He's a pest. Um, sometimes he play, he plays life on the edge. Um, but it's still, like, a, a crazy uh, event there. Um, it's one of those things. Um I don't know if you have any words on that. I think we're on, in well, agreement on this. Right? I, I just remember in 2013, I remember vividly when Ottawa was getting under Montreal skin and Subban and Pacioretty were jawing at each other at the bench. That's what Ottawa needs to do. They need to get the Bruins to turn on each other. Yeah. <laughs> they need to get at them. And it, I really like Ottawa. I mean, I, got, I don't think you guys need to do that. The, the, uh, <laughs> the Senators have skilled guys. It's not like – I mean, Eric Carlson was – Oh, speaking of which, 
The defenseman, um, this just this just in though, Charlie McAvoy um, is called up, and so is Zane McIntyre. Uh, this is also due because Brendan Carlo and Tori Krug are out. We don't know for how long, but um, I think that will have an effect on the series. Like if if Krug and Carlo yeah, are that out, be a secret weapon. Yeah. it's going to be tough. But if McAvoy can come in, he's the future of the Boston Bruins uh, franchise, and it's kind of tough to see us burn a year of his contract for that. But I think um, this is a very winnable series for the Bruins, and um, I think you kind of have to do it right now. I don't. I would be skeptical if they brought in McAvoy if we were playing like Washington, but I think you kind of have to do it for Ottawa. No offense, Steve, but uh, um, so. That's good news. Um, but Ottawa had Eric Carlson. They have uh, Mark Stone. Um, is that your leading scorer? I don't have it up here. Um, Pretty sure Carlson finished as the leading scorer. All oh, right. Um, but who is who's your sure. leading forward? Oh, let me look here. Oh, Hoffman. Hoffman is your leading scorer. Hoffman. Uh, Kyle Torres. Also, uh, also led the team with 13 power play goals. Yeah. Um, you, yeah, Mike Hoffman, Kyle Turris has been pretty good. Uh, Mark Stone, mm-hmm. Derek Broussard. Uh, didn't he get like a goal against the Rangers? And like Zabin and Chad also got beauty. a goal. Yeah, yeah, um, beauty too. But uh, he, yeah. he's he's a um, he's a good second third line guy. He's not yeah. you know as offensively talented, but he, he brings a little bit of everything. Um, but that's the special teams. I think Ottawa needs to. Yeah. In order to win this series, Ottawa needs to be better on special teams. Hoffman's 13 power play goals, as I mentioned, that's great. It's not going to save him any longer. Yep. And as I mentioned earlier, PK's fallen from 8th to 18th in a span of four to five weeks. Needs to be better than that. Um, here's uh, two reasons why I think Ottawa is going to win. Uh, before they snapped their, I think it was a four or five game skid. Um, it, was, it was a skid that frankly, should have ended sooner than four or five games. But anyway, Clark MacArthur, out of nowhere, comes back. And right in his first shift against the Red Wings on Tuesday, he attempts to make a hit. This guy's gone through four concussions. The next one could probably end his career. And the first thing he does when he's on the ice is he tries to make a hit. Like, that, that's that got to energize a dressing room. And as soon as that happened, I thought, you know what? This could be a sign of good things to come. Sure enough, Ottawa goes 3-1-1 <laughs> one, one to end the season. That's a great um, reason. So so yeah, subjective. It's, it's a great reason. Yeah. And and this was a guy, frankly, a few months ago, everyone thought he wasn't going to play this year. And it was just a total shock to everyone. It really energized the dressing room. Everyone was all smiles after the game. They were happy for him. And this is what Ottawa did. They rallied through adversity. When Anderson took that uh, personal leave to be with his wife, Nicole, Mike Condon stepped up and played great. I just... And then, I, yeah. and then Clark MacArthur comes back, and and they're able to get through this tough stretch. And now they're starting. This is the other thing. They're starting to get some of their key guys back. It looks like Carlson's going to be good to go. They got Bobby Ryan back in the season finale against the Islanders. They could have Zach Smith back pretty soon. Chris Neal's not injured anymore, so they could plug him in if they need some grit on forward. And probably the biggest surprise of them all is Mark Mathot's doing a lot better than people expected. So even he could return to duty at some point in this series. And then you look at Craig Anderson, who's been statistically speaking as good as it gets for an NHL goalie uh, this year. Even though he's had some struggles over the past couple of weeks, he put up some good outings to end the year. 
Nothing short of consistent since he's come back in mid-February. I know Boston's going to give it their all, but they failed to score more than two goals against the Sens this year. They only got one of a possible eight points against their division rival. If this happened 10 years ago, I'd be very nervous going into Boston, <laughs> and let, let alone even playing the Bruins at home. But now the tables are slowly starting to turn in Ottawa's favor, and that's why I think the Sens are going to win this series in six games. It's going to be a very close series, much like the season series, yeah. but I think Ottawa has what it takes to get it done. I thought I thought you were, you were going to, like, when you said your first reason, I thought you were going to pull up some statistic, like Ottawa is, you know, so much better than the Bruins because of their goal differential or something like that. But um, I guess not. I, so as, as you know, I'm, I'm going to be different <laughs> than you. Uh, oh, yeah. I, um, I think you the Bruins... You know? I know, I know, I have to. Um, well, I don't have to. I, I, I could see... I could see the Ottawa... Like, what does nerve me is the fact that the Bruins haven't won against the Senators um, this season. Um, but... I will say the Bruins were a different team with Bruce Cassidy as coach. Um, they, you know, they were uninspired all year at the beginning of the year, and I feel like now they're just under like they have like this youth movement and stuff. And I think that so, like you know, I feel like if you give it more time without these shootouts, I think the Bruins could win a game or two. Um, so I don't I don't think it's gonna be like a flat out sweep, but I'm gonna say Bruins in seven. Um, but if like let's say Krug and Carlo are out for the entire series, I could see them you know being out in five. Um, so we'll see. We have Marshawn back finally from suspension, um, and McAvoy in as I just mentioned. Tuka Rask has been hot now. Um, we don't really know, uh, like, you know, he's now going to have a lot of rest days because they don't usually play, um, you know, a, like, day in and, like, two days in a row kind of thing. So, um, so Tugaras should be good in that sense. Um, and, but, like, at you the same time... You also look at Hugh Dobin. Hugh yeah. Dobin played awesome against Chicago yeah. on, uh, last week. Well, like, Hugh Dobin... Like, he, he, was, just on, he yeah. was just on his A game. Actually... And, and the Bruins need a solid plan B like yeah. that. Actually, on that note, though, Hugh Dobin had, uh, had the flu and had to be taken out on the last game um, in the third period. So, two guys mm-hmm. came in in the third because of the flu-like symptoms. And Zane McIntyre is called up. So, we won't... I don't know if we'll have Hugh Dobin um, a lot... During the series, but hopefully you're right. Though if like if we need if we need a guy when he's healthy, we can put in Kudobin in for um, Tuka if Tuka's struggling, and maybe that'll like spark something. But it should be a fun series. I don't think it's gonna, I don't think any of the games will be like that uh, blow will be like a blowout on either side. I don't even think it's gonna be a sweep on either side. Um, but what I think it will depend on if Craig Anderson can be what he's been for, towards the last half of the season, and if Tuka Rask can be. It's going to depend on the goaltenders, um, yeah. really. Um, and if Tuka Rask can be what he he was in 2013, um, that's going to be a big part of it. And also, it's going to depend on Krug being out, because that's, that's a guy that's going to help the Bruins a lot if they uh, if they expect to be in the series. 
Um, I also look forward to David Pasternak's first playoff series. Um, that should be interesting and um, exciting. Um, yeah. All right, let's get it going. Um, <laughs> I feel like we've talked about this in depth. We could probably keep on going with this, but uh, let's yeah. let's go to the next. Uh, let's go to the Metropolitan Division. Uh, we have Washington Capitals, who won the President's Trophy. Um, and then we just talked about them, but the Toronto Maple Leafs, um, they uh, just won. They just made the playoffs on Saturday. Um, by beating the Penguins, then they lost to the uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets on Sunday. Um, they, I think, their season series with Washington isn't great. Um, let me look quickly. It's yeah, Capitals have they actually a ch- chased Holby in one of the games. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, I just it should saw be noted. Cap- the Capitals lead them two one and zero. Oh in the season series, so it's possible. Um, it will be, speaking of Pasternak's first thing, it's going to be even more exciting to see Austin Matthews' first uh, playoff game, especially in the first like playoff game in a while for Toronto at their home game, where they have some hope. Um, I should mention that I wrote an article for Fan Tracks. I posted it on our Facebook and Twitter, just a little self-promotion here, talking about the Leafs of all teams. Um, but yeah, so I'll, I'll admit, I talk about Austin Matthews, Willie Nylander, and Mitch Marner. Um, yeah, um, but Washington, I think Washington has the edge in this point. They won the President's Trophy. They have 118 points. You know, they have a lot of depth guys now. Marcus Johansson's been pretty good. TJ Oshie, uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov has finally been back to what he should have been. Justin Williams was looking good. Um, so uh, Nicholas Backstrom has had like a career year, basically. So um, and, and, of course, you have Alex Ovechkin. Um, and, and, on, and on top of that, you have Braden Holtby, um, who's a monster. So um, I, yeah, I think, uh, I think the Capitals will win this. I think it'll be tough. I don't think it'll be a sweep, though. But I'm going to say Capitals in five. Hmm. Well, did you know for the first time ever the Leafs, Blue Jays, and Raptors all make a playoff appearance over the same 12-month period? I did not know that, but that is interesting. Yeah. I guess that Probably a lot sense. of people did, and I didn't until yeah. I read the stat. Um, <laughs> also, Toronto's I guess that makes sense, though, country. now that I think about it. Cause, like, the, huh? I guess that makes sense, though, because like, the Blue Jays and Raptors haven't really been good, and so have the... Leafs and until recently, so that yeah. makes sense that they're all they haven't all been good at the same yeah, time. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, the Blue Jays won the World Series yeah. a long time ago, right? Like in the nineties. So mm-hmm. yeah, I guess that makes sense. All right, sorry, keep on going. <laughs> um, it's our first non-lockout road trip. Should emphasize non-lockout road trip to the postseason since two thousand four. Um, in case you don't already know, they have a lot of really good rookies. Um, Matthews, we just mentioned. First yep. rookie since Ovechkin to score 40 goals. Uh, that was back in 05-06 when Ovechkin did that. Uh, he becomes. He also became the fourth to score 40 goals in a season before turning 21, which is crazy. Uh, also, you have Mitch Marner, Willie Nylander. Uh, that, and those two additions, they put a lot less pressure on yep. James Van Riemsdyk and Nazem Kadri. And both guys have reaped the rewards of that. You look at Van Riemsdyk, he has 29 29- 
tallies. The most he's recorded since his career high 30 back in 2013-2014. Career high 62 points as well. You look at Kadri, 32 goals and 61 points. Career high for both stats. Career high for both stats. Um, Also had six game winners and 13 power play goals. Uh, And you look at defense, Frederick Anderson, who is not on defense, he's a goalie, but he's the backbone of that defense. Uh, from start to finish, this guy was heavily relied on, faced 2,000 shots and 66 appearances, somehow got 33 wins in the process. I think Toronto's going to push this series to six games, but they're not going to win, and there are three reasons why. First off, Caps haven't been in the conference finals in the Alex Ovechkin era. I'm sure a lot of people think that this season is going to be a bust if they don't at the very least reach the Stanley Cup Finals. They are a win-now team. Kevin Shattenkirk, UFA. Kuznetsov, RFA. Dmitry Orlov, RFA. They're loaded from top to bottom, and they're not going to keep all these studs forever. And while their offense matches up well with Toronto's, their defense is able to lock it down late in games and they have a goaltender like Brayton Holtby who is able to stand on his head and steal a 2-1 to one game if necessary. Or a one nothing game if necessary. The only other two goalies that come to mind right off the bat that can do that as well as Holtby can are Carey Price and Jonathan Quick. So Holtby's got to be the X factor here. Uh, and he's also got, I think, a bit of extra stamina than Anderson. Because even though he's played in three fewer games than Anderson, which isn't much... He's had to face 362 fewer shots than uh, Freddie has. So he hasn't been tested as often. And I think that's going to play into Holby's advantage. Uh, the final nail in the coffin for the Leafs is going to be their third period rows. And that's because on 10 occasions this year, they had a third period lead, they blew it, and they eventually lost. Washington only did that twice. So, again, I think Washington's going to win it in six. I think uh, Toronto's going to give them a good fight. But I think the only time the Caps are going to have to pay a price is searching for tickets for game three because I heard they start from as low as 240 bucks <laughs> at the ACC for game three. To put that into perspective, for game one at the Verizon Center, tickets start as low as 40 bucks. Well. So, as usual, the ECC is jacking up the, uh, the price like crazy because they know people are going to buy them. So. Right. Yeah, that's amazing. I was wondering how many people, like, bought tickets uh, when they I thought... I know a few on Facebook that are really yeah. fans that are just like, well, no, cause, cause, tickets to game one. Well, no, because, like, on Sunday, people thought that, like, you know, they bought tickets for Ottawa because they thought yeah, that I Toronto know. was going to play them. That's and then I mean. they lost, you know, that's then they I mean. lost... Uh, they gave up three goals, and now it's like, oh, we're, we got tickets to the Ottawa-Boston Bruins game instead of... Yeah, but hey, Washington. we get to see Marshawn Burroughs go at it. That'll yeah, be fun, eh? Yeah, I don't know how many Toronto <laughs> fans will want to see that, though. They may yeah. have just given it, given these tickets they away. They just show up with their those are like, just because, Those you know? are Toronto's, like, most hated rivals, you know, besides Montreal. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> I don't know if they will, they'll want to see them. But, you know, that'll be funny. Um, so what, what's your prediction? You, I assume you have Washington. I, I said Caps in six. Oh, sorry. Toronto's going right. to give them a good, good matchup. Caps are going to win though. Okay, but it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me too much if Toronto ended up pulling off the upset. But Washington is favored to win this series. Yeah, it's a good experience for Toronto to have. But yeah, I agree. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I think they're going to be out in the first round. Um, our next series is uh, 
Pittsburgh and Columbus. It's kind of crazy when you think about that this is a first-round matchup because these have been, like, the two best teams um, all year. But, you know, they just so happen to be in the same conference or the same division, I should say. Um, In fact, when you look at the league as a whole, um, the uh, Pittsburgh... Uh, Pittsburgh's number second um, in points, and Columbus is fourth in points. So the number two and the number four team, uh, one of them is going to be out by the next round, um, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. But uh, let's see here. So Pittsburgh, um, they they have Crosby. They have, oh yeah, Chris Letang got injured. It looks like he's going to be out all playoffs. It's going to be kind of tricky for them to see if they uh, if they'll make it, um, but you know they also have Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Phil Kessel. You know that Connor Sheary has fifty three points in sixty one games. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of that has to do with the fact that he's on Crosby's line, but um, at the same time, that's still very impressive considering you know he missed a couple of games, but um, that's pretty good. As well as Crosby's other lineman, uh, Jake Gensel. I think that's how you pronounce it. He has 33 Gensel, points. Gensel, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's Gensel or Gunsel or whatever, but uh, he has 33 points in 40 uh, games. And it's been a while since Crosby has someone who, you know, has good chemistry with. Um, and it looks like Shiri and Gensel have been that guy. Um, so I've been those guys. And they've been pretty good on that line. Um, yeah, and, uh, you know, the same guys, Malkin, Kessel, um, as I mentioned, Kunitz, I guess, is also there. Um, they have a lot of depth guys, too, with uh, Hornquist, um, Bonino, uh, Haglin, Kunitz, um, all those guys, and uh, as well as the unlikely surprise, Justin Schultz, um, who has 51 points, which is amazing. Um, Matt Murray, I think the question, another question for the Penguins is uh, Latang. But also, um, Matt Murray um, and Marc-Andre Fleury. We know Matt Murray, um, that's how he got a breakout, you know, playoff was last year. I was, like, he pretty much just took the starter role from Fleury. But it should be interesting to see um, if Murray can continue to be this hot during the playoffs. That should be interesting. And then, um, then we got Columbus here. They, uh, you know, they have, um, they've been relatively new under Coach Torts. Who would have thought uh, Cam Atkinson had a career year with 62 points in 82 games. Alexander Wenberg has 59 points. Um, he's like an assist man, uh, playmaker here. Brandon Saad, Saad's been pretty good. Nick Foligno, Sam Gagne has been pretty good. And their rookie defenseman, Zach Wierenski, as well as Seth Jones, um, but, like, the main star in the Columbus Blue Jackets is Sergei Bobrovsky, and I feel like that's going to be uh, their big key for uh, for their who's going to win. If, like, Bobrovsky is a brick wall, um, I think they have a pretty good chance on the Penguins. Um, although, I don't know. I, I would, I'm going to lean towards the Penguins. Um, I'm going to say the Penguins in seven. Um <laughs> I'm done well, now. Yeah, well, uh, 
as we all know, Chris Latane, that's a huge loss for them. Yep. Herniated disc in his neck needed surgery. He's out four to six months, so his season's over. Um, and this defense has had to deal with Trevor Daly and Ole Mata out of the lineup at various times throughout the regular season. Although Daly is back, it doesn't disguise the gaping void that now exists because, yeah, you're right, Justin Schultz got over 50 points this year, but he's no Chris Latane. Right. Um, the good news for Pittsburgh is that Columbus is just as inexperienced on the back end because you look at Jack Johnson, not the player he used to be. Ryan Murray is out uh, due to injury. And then you look at the young tandem of Seth Jones and Zach Rowensky. Yes, they're good, but they're expected to shut down the likes of Crosby and Malkin. That's no easy yeah. task. And then, of course, offensively, we all know the series is going to be fun to watch because Cam Atkinson, career year for him. Um, Wenberg, you mentioned, 59 points. Sam Gagne got 50 of his own. Monster year for him. And then you look at the depth guys. When your depth guys are Scott Hartnell, Boone Jenner, and a rookie named Josh Anderson who scored 17 goals, you know your offense uh, stacks up against a lot of the best teams in the league. Uh, but the Penguins, unfortunately, are right there with them because Kessel has 70 points. We mentioned Shiryu has 53. We mentioned Gensel. Ian Cole, career-high 26 points. And then Brian Rust, who scored 15 goals. Um, but you're right. Goaltending is going to be key. Matt Murray, 49 appearances, 32 wins, 2.41 GAA, 9.23 save percentage. Uh, you look at Bobrovsky's stats, 41 wins for him. Finished the year with seven shutouts, tied for third most in the league. 2.06 GAA, tops amongst starters. 9.31 save percentage, tops amongst starters. And he also faced the fourth most shots in the NHL, to add insult to injury for Pittsburgh. Um, like you said, this series is going to go the distance. It's going to need seven games. My heart is hoping Columbus wins because I really want to see what they do beyond round one. But my mind is saying Pittsburgh, and there's one big reason. They've scored 103 goals in the third period. That's how good teams win Stanley Cups. And I think that's going to be the difference maker. I think Pens are going to take it in seven. But Columbus is going to give them everything they can handle. Yeah, it should be a it should be a fun series, um, especially I, since uh, yeah, it should be a fun series. Columbus um, had uh, like has never had never lost three in a row until their last um, six to end the season, and then they beat Toronto. So they may. Um, I don't know. We'll see if they're, you know, if they've, uh, like a lot of people are saying how they, you know, they're always going to regress and whatnot. But, um, so let's see if they do that. But, um, we'll see. Uh, all right. Let's, should we do our Eastern Conference champions now? And yeah, then. We'll, we'll do that. We'll do that at the end. We'll do okay. our final four at the end with everybody. Well, I was just thinking because we got done with the Eastern Conference, so we can just. Okay. We might as well head. talk about it. Okay. Um, so okay. I'm going to say it's going to be Washington and Montreal in our final, in the conference finals. And I'm going to say Washington will be, it'll be the first time Washington will make the Stanley cup finals, um, in the, uh, in the, they made it in 98. I know that. Well, I was going to say and in the Ovechkin era, cause I don't think they've gone past the second round. Or Ovechkin hasn't. Yeah, they haven't gone past the second round since Ovechkin. Right, uh, and I think that I think this is actually going to be Washington's year where they'll at least make the Stanley Cup final. Um, yeah. I I think their depth is pretty good, um, and they have all the guys that are needed 
Um, but, you know, this is pretty much the same team as last year, but now they just have more experience, and um, I think they'll have what it takes to, now that they're more prepared for Pittsburgh um, or Columbus, I think they're they're ready to go. Um, this is their year. I've, I've said it already. I think you know who my Stanley Cup champion is already, but uh, I th- I'm going to pick Washington uh, to come out of the East. Yeah, well, yeah, my my uh, prediction is a carbon copy of yours. Washington yeah. over Montreal. They go to the finals. All right. Uh, let's go to the Western Conference here. Uh, I guess we're going to start with the Pacific Division. I guess I started with the Pacific for some reason. Uh, so Edmonton almost got the division, almost became the division leader, and they would have played Calgary for a battle of um, Alberta, but um, yep. uh, might have to wait a bit. Um, instead, Anaheim plays Calgary, and Edmonton plays San Jose. Um, so it's like the California teams versus the Al- Alberta teams here. Um, Anaheim has a pretty good lineup. Uh, Corey Perry hasn't been as good as he has been um, in recent years, but uh, he's still been pretty good. They, I think their leading scorer is uh, Ryan Getzlav. Um, they, um, yeah, he got over 70 points, yeah. Yep. Yeah, um, they also have Ricard Raquel. Who no one's talking about because he has thir- he has had uh, he has a thirty goal season here. Um, in fact, he has thirty three points. I was just looking at this the other day. Uh, he has the same amount of goals as Ovechkin and uh, Evgeny Malkin. So um, that's kind of it's good company there. But uh, I'll, so- I'll take it a step further. Not only did he score thirty three goals, he led yeah. the league in game winners with ten. Yeah, he's been so almost a third of his goals were game winners. That's yeah. insane. Yeah, and especially since he missed like the first ten games of the right. season because he, you know, he wasn't signed until then. But um, right, so, yeah, yeah that's going to be a big part for how the uh, Ducks do in the, the postseason because they haven't really. It's always been just Getzlav and Perry, and now they have guys like Rick, Ricard Raquel, Jacob Jakob Silverberg. I'm going to mispronounce this. Ryan Kessler now has been pretty good. Um, Kessler has 58 points. Ricardo Kell has 51 points. Silverberg has 49 points. Um, you know, they also have a strong demon. Uh, Cam Fowler, I think, has his breakout season or his career year with 39 points. Um, Sammy Bannon, Hampus Lindholm has been pretty good, too. Um, so they have a lot of guys that have been pretty good. Uh, John Gibson is another guy um, where we'll see... It'll be interesting to see how he does in the playoffs, um, just because uh, he's been injured for a while. Jonathan Bernier has been like the guy when Gibson has been injured, but um, that'll be interesting to see who gets more of the start, Bernier or Gibson, uh, because I think we know that uh, is it Marie? No, it's not Maurice. What's the uh, coach's name? Randy Carlisle. Carlisle seems to like Bernier even when Gibson is help, healthy. So, um, so that should be well, yeah, an Bernier interesting sideline. I mean. <laughs> yeah, that should be an that should be an interesting uh, side story for this series. Um, I feel like I should do this differently. So, before I give my picks, um, do you have anything to say about the Ducks? Well, um, yeah, I, I do actually. They won eleven. They won eleven of their last fourteen to close out the year. In fact, they didn't lose a regu- in regulation once over those fourteen games. Uh, and you mentioned Bernier, thirteen two and two to close out the year. 
He gave up two goals or less in nine of his final 17 appearances. If Gibson struggles, they've got a solid safety net in Bernier. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think the Ducks are going to have what it takes. Be- and I'll explain why. And Because the Flames have... have well, it's going to get to the Flames. Uh, it should be noted, the Flames haven't won in Anaheim since 2004. And that definitely plays to the Ducks' advantage. Was, that psychological yeah. advantage that we can't win in Anaheim no matter what we do. I was about to get to the Flames here. Uh, so the Flames have Johnny Goudreau. Um, he also came in late in the season, um, but he uh, he has or he also he was injured early in the season, I should say. Um, and then he uh, he slowly became the points leader for the Flames with 61 points. Uh, Sean Monahan has been pretty good too with 58 points. Michael Backlund has been pretty good too for them. Um, Dougie Hamilton, Matthew Kachuk, I can go down the line here, really. Uh, but um, it should be interesting to see. Um, Brian Elliott has finally picked it up as well. Um, it should be interesting to see how like Matthew Kachuk does in the playoffs because he had that he had that like very like um, heel like uh, aura to him when he uh, faced off against the Kings, and um, he kind of has what it takes to be like that pest that, you know, Corey Perry and Marshawn are known for in the playoffs. And uh, so this should be interesting to see uh, how Matthew Kachuk does um, in, in this, uh, in this series. I, I wonder if he's going to steal one of the Ducks water balls and just squirt it into yeah. an unsuspecting. He'll be, uh, he'll be like, he'll just team. be like a dirty player basically. Yeah. But um, just so, do little things to get yeah, under you. Basically. Um, so, but, Having said that, I think the Ducks are are a much better team this year um, than they were last year, and I I have a feeling you're going to say the the Calgary Flames are going to up upset, right? Well, again, it'd be fitting for Calgary to get that gigantic Anaheim Gorilla off their back in this yeah. series, get a win against right. the Ducks on the road, and then perhaps take this best of seven and. You look at Cam Fowler, by the way, he's MIA for the next two to six weeks due to oh, injury. I didn't even see so that. So that, that, that does change my prediction into, a bit. Yeah, whether or, not they can, whether or not they can pull off the upset. You also look at Elliott, 17, 6, and 1 since yeah. February 1st. 2.24 GAA over that stretch. Holtby had a GAA of 2.23 since February 1st. So that's slightly... Slightly, not by much, but slightly worse than Holby. That's like .01 difference. So Brian Elliott's going to have to step up. Um, again, Monahan seven goals since February 1st, leads the team. Goudreau, 30 points in his last 30 to close out the regular season. TJ Brody and Dougie Hamilton, they started off slow. Uh, Brody's had 19 points uh, to close out the year since February 1st. 18 points for Dougie since February 1st. Uh, those two guys are going to need to step it up. Um, I think Calgary's going to force Game 7, but I do think Anaheim's going to win. I, they are going to take it the distance. I think, uh, I, 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 it's call it weird juju. I don't know if I usually believe in it, but I do think that there is something to that where the Calgary just can't win at home um, or can't win at Anaheim for whatever reason it is. Um, but, so I'm going to say... I hate to like call a sweep here, but I'm gonna call a sweep. I think Anaheim will sweep Calgary, maybe in five, but I'm gonna call a sweep. I'm gonna take my shot here. 
Uh, I know. It's I think shocking. if it, I think if it, I think if it's over before Game Six or Game Seven, all those, all those games are going to be decided by one goal because yeah. Anaheim's not going to throttle Calgary. Calgary's going to be neck and neck with them. Um, yeah. Uh, so let's uh, let's go to the next one: Edmonton Oilers and the San Jose Sharks. Uh, this is going to be uh, Connor McDavid's first playoff game. Uh, like Austin Matthews, everyone's going to be looking forward to this, um, you know, uh, Connor McDavid's first uh, entry into his playoff career. Um, also, Dreisaitl. And Dreisaitl. Yeah, it's going to be their and first. Nugent Hopkins. It's probably going to be, yeah, Nugent Hopkins, Eberly. It's going to be a lot of these guys first. Um, it's It's been like 10 years since they last made the playoffs, as we mentioned yep, last episode. 2006, yep. Um, so, um, but, like, it's going to be exciting. Um, pretty much Connor McDavid has, like, carried this team a lot. I was just looking at the stats here. There's only, like, two guys who have been, um, who have more than 50 points, have more than 60 points, um, and that's McDavid and Dreisaitl. Um, Dreisaitl has 77 points. Connor McDavid is the only person to get 100 points. Um, and he won the Art Ross Trophy. Um, I think we already called this that he's going to win the Hart as well, but, um, but the heart. Yeah, I, I think I said at the beginning of the year, if he led his team to the playoffs and he won the scoring race, I said yeah. he was going to be the MVP. Right, but we had that like heart nominee episode as well, where we were just saying yeah. like this is a little stupid because we know Connor McDavid's going to win, but uh, I think he pretty much has it on lockdown yeah. for now. Um, but the other uh, heart trophy candidate is on the other team. Uh, that's Brent Burns. Um, he had, he ended the season with 76 points, I believe. Eric Carlson had 82, so that was a little last year, right? So that's a little bit yeah. worse than Eric Carlson. So there goes his career from a defenseman record. But 76 One points isn't that shy terrible. Of 32. Yeah. That should be noted. Brent Burns got 29 goals. Yeah, he uh, exactly. He leads the team in both goals and assists on the Sharks, which isn't you know, which isn't that tough. Which isn't that um, easy, I should say. Uh, Joe Pavelski, Logan Couture. Um, Joe Pavelski has 68 points. Logan Couture has 52. Joe Thornton has 50 points. Um, Patrick Marlowe has 46 points. Um, I'm... I, as much as I love this youth movement from the Edmonton Oilers... Uh, I'm going to say that I think that the Sharks are going to be a little bit too much to handle. Um, especially, I feel like there's just this narrative. I know narrative means nothing to actually playing, but just this narrative of like, um, you know, they were, they were in the Stanley Cup Finals last year and they finally, you know, they just, um, they couldn't get it done in the end. And, you know, they have guys like Joe Thornton, Patrick Marlowe, who've never won and have been in the league forever um pretty much and you know this is gonna be their last shot pretty much at a title um i think it's thornton's and patrick marlowe's last year on their contract right so um i'm gonna say shark it's gonna be a tough series but i'm gonna say there's gonna be like at least once game where like Connor mcdavid just goes nuts i feel like um so i'm gonna but i don't know if that's gonna be like He's going to have four of those. So I'm going to say the Sharks in six. Sharks in six. 
Well, um, to, to your point, uh, uh, Joe Thornton, uh, speaking of Joe Thornton, a little banged up, so is Logan Couture. Um, doesn't concern me all that much. What yep. concerns me more about the Sharks is how they went from potential Pacific Division winners to third in just over a month of NHL action. Yeah, they dropped true. 10 of their last 16, gave up 47 goals over that stretch. Power play was clicking at 14, less than 14%. PK was at 76.9% from March 11th onward. Awfully bad time to struggle, especially considering the team yeah. they're going up against. Um, of course, we all know the story about... Yeah, Carter the Reed. Oilers have the hot hand for sure. Yeah, and and this, this Oilers team, they almost won their first division title since 86-87. The only reason they didn't is because Anaheim was able to get it to overtime and, and then eventually win it. So they could have easily won the division title. Um, and even then... The Oilers ended their season with 12 wins in their final 15. Dreisaitl ended the year with 21 points in his final 15 games. Patrick Maroon finished the year with 27 goals. Oscar Kleppon didn't score the kind of points, the kind of goals, the kind of points that Brent Burns did. But still, 38 points, enough to finish first amongst Oilers defensemen. He's had a pretty good year. Um, and... While Burns got points in six of his final nine after getting zero points in seven straight, uh, Clefbaum recorded seven helpers over his last four games. So, statistically speaking, over the last five games, Clefbaum's been better than Burns. Uh, but you look at so many of these playoff series, I think it's going to be decided by goaltending because you got two of the best yeah, boys in the league going at it. <laughs> Talbot started in 73 games first, uh, 42 wins tied for first. 2,117 shots, the most any goalies faced in the NHL this year. And even then, despite all that heavy lifting, he was still able to get a 2.39 GAA and a save percentage just under 920, which is ridiculous. And on top of that, he got seven shutouts. Although he's only appeared in two playoff games, and both were in relief, so he's never started a playoff game. And then you look at... A uh, guy like Martin Jones, who was a part of the Kings Stanley Cup title run in 2014, led the Sharks to the Stanley Cup Finals a year ago. He knows what it takes to get to the Finals. And in that year, last year, when the Sharks made it to the Finals, they didn't have home ice in three of the four series that they played in. So, long story short, experience will prevail. I think it goes seven, but I think the Sharks will win this. Okay. So, yeah, we're both in agreement for that. Um, yeah. It should be a it should be an interesting series. I would series. love to see Edmonton win. Yeah. I would love to see Edmonton. Yeah, win. I forgot to mention the whole like Cam Talbot, Martin Jones era, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's like it goes without saying that goaltending um, is going to be an important factor, in not just this series, but in every series. But um, yeah, it's. And yeah. I think that the fact is that Cam Talbot, I think he's been overworked, and I think it's only a matter of time before that starts to. Wear Although on him. I could, I could see him like. You know, winning a game, like saving a game for them, or like winning, oh, yeah. winning yeah, a absolutely. game. Like I feel like Connor McDavid will will win a game for them, and then Cam Talbot will win the other game, and then I think San Jose will win the other game. So um, we'll see. It's just inexperience and fatigue. I think yeah. that's going to cost the Oilers in this series. Not that they can't hang with the Sharks. They they've shown they can hang with the Sharks. Yeah. But it, it's just the inexperience and the fatigue on Cam Talbot. I think that's going to bite them. Okay. Uh, so now we go to the uh, the central uh, division. I almost I almost call it like the Pacific again. Um, <laughs> the, uh, let's start with the uh, the Chicago Blackhawks uh, versus the uh, Nashville Predators. Uh, 
So Chicago um, has 109 points. Nashville has 94 points. Um, I mean, they've been here before. It's it's one of those teams that like it hasn't been their best year, but they it's like the, when it comes to the playoffs, you can never count them out. Patrick Kane ended the year with 89 points. Um, he had a surge in like the middle of the year, but or towards the end of the year, but he never actually, um, you know, uh, towards the end once they clinched, he kind of stopped trying. It seemed. Um, Artemi Panarin has been pretty good. He picked it up a bit. He has 74 points. Um, Taze has 58 points. That's, that's a bit of a down year. Same with Duncan Keith, who has had a down year with 53 points. Although, again, that's not terrible for a defenseman. Um, you also have guys like Hosa, Nisimov, Panic, Richard Panic, um, Brent Seabrook, Ryan Hartman, who's been a pretty good rookie for them, with 31 points. Um... And then you have guys like Corey Crawford and Scott Darling. Um, you know, like the Blackhawks all equate to uh, the New England Patriots or the San Antonio Spurs. Is that they always have like a terrible regular season, but they just have that like mode in the playoffs where they're just unbeatable. So it's one of those. They're one of those teams that you can't really count out, um, as I mentioned before. But um, they're in the playoffs right now, um, somehow. Um, it's 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 kind of crazy there because they've it's been like ten years about uh, since they've been good. So um, yeah, do you, before I get on to the Predators, do you have anything more on the Blackhawks? Well, you look at the Hawks, uh, the Blackhawks statistically speaking, their power play finished the season nineteenth overall. Yeah. Yet they were still a top five team. Penalty kill below seventy eight percent. They still got 50 wins somehow and finished just two points back of Pittsburgh for second overall in the league. They won six more games when they were outshot, yet they find a way to beat you. It might not always seem pretty, but this team still finds a way to scare the living daylights out of you. Uh, Again, Kane and Panarin scored 30 or more goals and 70 or more points apiece. Uh, Anisimov and Hossa got seven game winners apiece. Richard Panik added five game winners of his own, 22 uh, total goals in 82 games. And even if Crawford's off his game, this team is still dangerous, and you need a full 60-minute effort every time. If you give them just a second to get their composure, even just one power play, if they're able to click and get something going, especially if it's at the Madhouse on Madison, this team can turn a, a game that you probably thought was in the bag and just turn it upside down and then just really get in your face. And Chicago is one of those teams you you can't afford to give them anything because if you do, they'll take advantage. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. They're go- They're going to be dangerous. And of course, you know, Corey Crawford, is going to be a big part of that as well. But it's, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't even, it's like, it's, it seems almost impossible to uh, beat them when they're really on. And they, they have the ability to just turn that gear on um, and do that. Uh, Nashville Predators have been pretty good. Uh, they have uh, they have a good lineup. With I was looking at their team the other day. Um, they have uh, the top line of Ryan Johansson, Victor Arvidsson, and Philip Forsberg um, have combined. Like they all have above sixty points. Or, or well, Philip Forsberg has fifty eight points, I should say. But Arvidsson and Ryan Johansson have sixty one points. Um. And so that's all, those are all the three of those players are on their top line. Um, and, uh, 
you know, they have Roman Yossi. They don't have Shea Weber anymore, but P.K. Subban has been a good replacement for them. Um, he has 40 points in 66 games. Uh, they also have guys like James Neal, Mike Fisher. I think I just mentioned Roman Yossi. Um, Ryan Ellis, Colin Wilson, those guys. So um, I could... I could see them making a run with them, but it's it's going to be a tough opponent with Chicago in line. Um, speaking of their goaltending, uh, this is one of those things where like it feels like UC Saros has been the better goaltender than Picarine, um, which is I have a weird prediction. I feel like next year Saros is going to be the starter for the Predators. Um, than Rene Saros has nine twenty three has a nine twenty three save percentage. Um, 10 wins, 8 losses. Pecorine has uh, a 9.18 save percentage, um, 31 wins, 19 losses. Um, and also, uh, Saros's goals against average is 2.35, uh, whereas Rene's is 2.42. So it's not as big of a difference, but it's like, you know, Saros has been playing better. I know it's shorter sample size, small sample size, or whatever. But uh, Saros has been pretty good in uh, in uh, Renate's absence, so they need you know in this league as we've talked about many times before, it's like you need a good backup, and they now have one with Saros here. Um, but um, yeah, I don't think they'll have enough to beat Chicago, but they are, they are much improved from what they were last year. So I'm gonna say. Um, actually, do you want to talk about the Predators before I give my prediction? Or Yeah, I might as well. Uh, Victor Arvidsson, quietly brilliant. 31 goals, yeah. five shorthanded goals, quick speed, just really tough for teams to handle. Um, he needs to be a thorn in his, in his opponent's side. Uh, Ellis, he got 16 goals this year. He needs to be a defensive monster for them. Yeah. Subban needs to find his playoff swagger early and often. Even if all that happens, Pecorine, like you said, he's going to have to be brilliant in order for these Predators to have any shot of pulling off the upset. Um, didn't give up more than three goals in any of his final four starts, which is good. Um, the playoffs, though, he's been on and off good. He needs to stay hot. He needs to get on the roll. He needs to stay hot. If that doesn't happen, the Blackhawks are going to send Nashville packing. Um, but I think I think – Regardless of who wins this series, I think you're going to see a lot more four, three, and five, four games than two to one decisions, yeah. just based on the offensive talents on both of these teams. Okay, so I'll say uh, Blackhawks in six. I think there's, uh, yeah, I'll say Blackhawks in six. I think there's a chance that you know the the Nashville could steal a couple games, but I think Chicago just has that extra edge to them that I think they. Uh, uh, they'll pull it out. Um, what about you? Oh, you must be either reading my mind or copying my notes, because that's exactly <laughs> what I have. I have Blackhawks in six games. Um, yeah, I guess. Well, I mean, it's not that tough, weird of a prediction, I guess. Um, yeah. Uh, also, so just uh, on that note, Chicago has a lot of playoff history in recent memory. Uh, one of the key parts was uh, Brian Bickle. Uh, I feel like we, we'd be remiss if we didn't at least mention this. Uh, he had MS. Uh, he was he's now on the Carolina Hurricanes. He uh, had he was in like the AHL system. I think he was diagnosed with MS for a bit. Then he got called up, um, and he had this like shootout winner 
um, at the last game. Everyone cheered for him. He, like, won an award for and the game. And that was in Philly, too. That was yeah, in Philly. That was in Philly. All right, exactly. That makes it even uh, crazier or tougher. Um, and then he uh, he announced that he retired. Um, he has, I think he won two cups for Chicago. Uh, he definitely won one, as I remember, because of that 17th. He was one of the guys who uh, scored a goal in the 17 seconds um, against my Bruins. Um, in 2013s, but, uh, yeah, so, uh, he retired, I feel like it would be remiss, I know it's a playoff preview here, but, but, like, it would be remiss if we didn't at least mention that Brian Bickle is retired, um, good luck with your MS, um, yeah, he was a good player, though, at least in the playoffs. A heart and soul guy in a former yeah. 67, a career cut too, too short, but I'm, Sure, he does next. I think he's going to be very good at it. He's got yeah. a great support system. And just watching him at uh, the end of one of the games just really got choked up. And uh, just just an all-around great guy. And yeah. uh, a lot of people have his back. So, um, All right, let's go to the next series. Uh, it's the Minnesota Wild and the St. Louis Blues. This is kind of like a tale of the two teams because uh, Minnesota Wild started off really hot. Um, you know, they were they had that streak going. Um, and then uh, they kind of... They were really not. Yeah, and then they started, started to uh, tail off at the end there. Um, whereas opposed to St. Louis, where they started off really slow, people were saying like, oh, well, they traded, you know, Bacchus and Elliot and uh, Brower. They're all gone. And, uh, you know, it's Hitchcock's last year. I was year. one of them. Yeah, I was one exactly. Of them. Uh, Steve was one of them. And now... Uh, I forget the final record, but I think they like won like they were like eleven one and one or something in their last twelve games. I don't know if that's uh, accurate. The Blues they finished twelve two and two in their last sixteen. Twelve two and two. Do you know what the record is for the Minnesota Wild? Like wh- how bad their last? I think they were six eight and four maybe. Okay. Yeah, they're below 500, I know that. Okay, well, we'll, we'll go with that. Um, but yeah, so it's like the tale of the two teams. It's like which which team is going to show up, the second you know the second half Minnesota team that was really bad or the first half Minnesota team that was really good. And you could say the same for St. Louis, except reverse. So which team is going to show up, the first half St. Louis team or the second half St. Louis team? Um, yeah, like the Bruins and like the... Uh, I think there's another team that, oh, and the Montreal Canadiens, um, you know, they've they've kind of been a different team since they fired their coach. Um, Mike Yo's kind of put something in there. Jake Allen's been um, pretty, been pretty good. I could say all the statistics, but I think you guys know um, it's kind of hard because it's different because of that. But Tarasenko has been pretty good, has 75 points, um, 82 games, just missed 40 goals. He has 39 goals. Uh, Jaden Schwartz has been pretty good in the second half with 55 points. Uh, Steen as well as 51 points. Um, uh, of course, they, they. it's also impressive considering that they uh, traded Shannon Kirk away. Um, but like it will all depend on how good Jake Allen will be um, come playoff time, and we'll see if that has an effect on their team. Um, as for Minnesota, 
you know, we know that Devin Dubnik has been good, but we talked about it. I think it was, was it last episode or it might have been two episodes ago? Yeah, well, well when uh, Tuka Ras was getting hate from the media, we compared right. his numbers to Dubnik, and, and Dubnik but, uh, was regressing yeah. bit by bit. It might be a little bit because he's been overworked a bit, but um, it's going to be one of those things where, like in the playoffs, it might not matter because you have like two days off between games. So um, it might not be as big of a deal if you're being overworked or not, but... Um, on their forward lines, you have Michael Granlund, Mikhail Granlund, um, who has 69 points. Um, Eric Stahl has 65. Miku Koivu has 58 points. So those guys aren't like necessarily you know young, uh, especially Stahl and Koivu. So um, so they're kind of led by those guys: Niederreiter, Charlie Coyle, Jason Palmerville, Zucker, Parise. Um, you know, they have a lot of guys that are kind of old, kind of young, um, but like they're in the like little in-between areas there. So um, they should be a good team, but, uh, you know, St. Louis is hot now too, so it uh, should be a good series. Uh, before I get to the predictions, let's let's see what you have to say on both te- these teams. Yeah, St. Saint- Louis is rolling. They also get a secret weapon in Vladimir Sabaka from the yep. KHL, spent three the last years. three years there. Yeah, yep, signed for a three-year contract, yeah, yep. uh, kicks in next year. Uh, the New Deal is going to pay him just over $3 million a year. But uh, right now he's getting paid the money that he would have gotten paid in 2014, 2015 had he stayed with the Blues, which yep. is far less than $3 million. Um, but, uh, again, 102 points in 138 games with, uh, in the KHL. So big boost there. Um, and then you look as a team uh, at the team as a whole. I mean, uh, since, I think, March 11th, their offense has scored 52 goals, third most of any team in the league. 31 goals they surrendered, third fewest in the league. Petrangelo got 14 points in his final 15. Tarasenko, last 16 games, he finished with 9 goals and 16 points. In his final 12 games, Jake Allen went 8-2-2, two, and two, recorded a stellar 1.84 goals against average. And then you look at Devin Dubnik over that same stretch. Final 12 starts, 3.28 GAA. Uh, and that number improved, improved slightly after a nice little run to end his season. And at one point, he was benched for third stringer Alex Stalock for two straight games. So even though he finished with 40 wins, he's looking about as vulnerable as any guy in the Minnesota dressing room right now. I mean, you look at Koivu, scored uh, scored zero goals in his final 15 games. Granlund, seven points in his final 15 games. Zucker, just two points over his final 13. The Wild are going to... I, I think the Wilds, it, it's not by much, but I think a lot of people are looking at Minnesota to potentially take this series, and I'll, and, I'll, and we'll get to your prediction before I say yeah, my prediction. But the Wild, I think, in the eyes of many, are still favorites here. Yeah, I think in many eyes they are, but I feel like the hot hand has something to do with it. But So I, that's why I'm, I think it's going to be my first upset I'm going to say St. Louis in seven against Minnesota. I feel like Minnesota's just been too bad in the late season, and St. Louis has been too good in the late season that I feel like St. Louis will win this. Um, but like it's going to be close, um, but I think St. Louis got this in seven. It's going to be very close. It's going to need seven games. I'm still going with Minnesota, okay. but it's going to need seven games. There, St. Louis is yeah. going to give them all they can handle. Um, as for our Western Conference champion, uh, 
This is a little tougher for me. Um, I think it's going to be Anaheim and Chicago in the Western Conference Finals. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with Anaheim. Why not? Um, I think um, I think their depth guys are finally good. Um, you know, in there, and I think John Gibson just has. I, I'm I'm a big John Gibson guy, so I feel like he um, he has what it takes to be that guy. Um, you know, finally with Ricard Raquel being that, um, you know, being another piece for their depth on forwards, and you know, you have guys like Ryan Kessler who can uh, be an instigator for them as well. So, yeah, I think I think Anaheim will um, will actually eke it out. Um, it'll be tough though because I th- I could see Chicago, Saint San Jose, and Saint Louis even. Um, making it to the finals, but I think Anaheim has the edge. I'm just I'm just gonna stick with Anaheim. I know no one's gonna hold me to it, but um, <laughs> I'm gonna say Anaheim will make it out in the West. I'm gonna say Chicago versus San Jose in the Western Conference Final, and I think the other California team, the Sharks, are gonna win. Okay. Uh, so, oh, so you have the Sharks and the Caps as an. E- I have the Sharks and the Caps. It's going on. You know how they the say how the Sharks are the. Uh, the Capitals East or West or whatever, because uh, they have a, like you know they have a similar playoff history, but yeah. um, until recently. But mm-hmm. so who's your Stanley Cup champion? I think Washington takes San Jose down in seven games. Uh, yeah, I I have Washington beating Anaheim, but in six games. Um, okay. I should reiterate though that I wouldn't be surprised if San Jose, Chicago, or St. Louis makes it um, instead of Anaheim, but. Uh, I just, yeah. I just think, and I'm just gonna pick Anaheim here. <laughs> Anyone's gonna beat anybody. I think the yeah. one where there's not too much doubt is Washington, Toronto, as yeah. of the first round matchups. Yeah, there's gonna I be a lot. Of... Can beat, I think anyone can beat anybody, honestly. Yeah, I could see that happening. That's true. Although I'm, I'm not sure if Nashville could beat Chicago, but yeah, I think, I think you're right. I yeah. think every other game is pretty beatable. Um, Do you go... have a Conn Smythe winner? Oh, do I have a cons? I mean, that's like so far in the future. But um, let's say, uh, uh, let's see here. If Washington's going to go far, oh, Vetchkin hasn't been as great. Uh, I'm going to say Backstrom, Nicholas Backstrom. Or Holtby. I'm going to go with Mr. Game 7, Justin Williams. He's okay. going to get it again. All right. Uh, interesting choice there. I could see also Braden Holtby just taking yeah, off and being that I guy. I could see that too, yeah. yeah. He could really take the reins. Um, rapid fire. So big news here. Um, NHL is not going to the South Korea Olympics. Um, we uh, we kind of speculated this for a long time now, but um, it's actually official. It looks like, just reading from what Batman was t- saying, it looks like this isn't like a tactic as I thought it was originally, but... Um, Apparently, what happened is the IOC wasn't willing to budge and pay the NHL for using their marketing, and like NHL wanted to use, like wanted to be paid because you know they're taking two weeks out of their season for their players to go somewhere else. And South Korea is kind of, um, you know, not like necessarily beneficial for growth of the league. Um, and as well, the IOC like would would refuse to pay their players for that two weeks period. So, in that sense, 
I can understand it or where the NHL is coming from. They want to be paid for from what the IOC does. And the IOC is even more corrupt than the NHL is. So, um, yeah. so on that front, I can understand it. However, there was a report that the NHL um, asked the NHLPA that they would use that as, as a bargaining agreement that, like, you know, uh, we'll let you, our players, go to the uh, the Olympics and we'll, like, ex- in our next CBA and we'll do something else. And, and that's not okay for the NHL to do because it's like, of course, an NHLPA is not going to do that. They don't have any other leverage, you know. So it'll be interesting to see because of the lockout in a couple of years. Um, I think that's coming. Um, we'll see. What are your thoughts? I think that also. I think that also. I think it expires. Is it twenty twenty one when it expires? I think it's it's either twenty twenty one or twenty two. I think it's yeah. I think it's twenty two, but it might be twenty twenty one. But that will that will be like one of those things where like, um, where like you know that Batman will say something like, "Oh, we couldn't get it done. Um, they just weren't willing to cooperate." But like, just remember like this moment in time where they offered the NHLPA, um, this, you know, this offer to go to the Olympics and stuff. So this is now like a NHLPA, NHL thing. Because Donald Fear even, like, announced that he was, like, deeply disappointed and this is something that he'll fight for the NHL players. Like, Obeshkin said that he uh, was going to go. Tays, uh Jonathan Taze said something along the, those same lines. Not really, like... You're just saying, like, you know, it's kind of frustrating. Yeah, he said, to quote, say, it comes down to what they could get out of us once the next CBA negotiation yeah. rolls around, and that it seems the players just can't seem to get cooperation from the league. Yeah, and I, I, I just I just have a feeling that there's, it's going to be a lockout. And you know what the most depressing thing is? Is us as fans, like, can't really do anything about it. It's like, yeah, we can't, the like... The players can't even do anything about it. Yeah, the players can't even do anything. They could just... We all we can do is just say like, "Hey, we hate this. We want to see our player. You want to see the players in the Olympics, but there's not much we can really do and say like, oh yeah, you know, <laughs> like, are you gonna? Here's a here's a question: Are you going to watch the Olympics without NHL players? Are you gonna like stay up at three o'clock in the morning and watch amateur players? <laughs> It, I would need one. incentive to watch something at 3 a.m. Period, <laughs> and I don't know if watching, like it all. I guess it all depends on who's there, and and you and yeah. you know Ovechkin wants to go if if Russia because if the NHL isn't going to South Korea, you know who's the heavy favorite, eh? I can't USA Russia. Oh, Russia. Russia. They were the heavy favorite for years before the NHL came in, right, and then the be, scales slowly bounced themselves it's out. It's going to be Miracle on Ice all over again. Yeah. <laughs> Although this time, miracle USA has, like, a better college hockey system, but yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it'll be, it'll what's, be interesting. What's also interesting is that Donald Fair, on the Jeff Blair show last week, he was asked why they didn't make Olympic participation as part of the new CBA, which was signed in 2013. Yeah. Uh, because in the past, in previous CBAs, it was it was it was a stable point, but because there were other issues that needed to be resolved, they were just like, you know, it was just a mutual agreement. You know, I thought, nah, the NHL is probably going to send us anyway. Yeah. Uh, and the condition was the NHL would give them green light participation to attend the 2018 games, but they would the players would have to be willing to extend the CBA agreement from 2022 to 2025. Right. And the players shot that down. Apparently, huh. um, 
and the other thing is that Donald Ferris said the World Cup of Hockey could become a staple for the NHL, just uh, like the Olympics. But that would take ten or twelve years. It's not at that stage yet. The I Olympics don't even think ten or twelve years it's going to be at that stage either. But yeah. What's also interesting is the Russian Federation says it wants to keep its players in the KHL in order to avoid departures to the NHL and other hockey leagues in North America. And you look at the pen, and you look at Markov and Radulov pending UFAs, Kuznetsov and Orlov pending RFAs. But as Age and Todd Diamond reports, the Olympics don't necessarily pay the bills for these guys. And we all know the KHL's been running out of money trees for a while, so right. I don't know how much water that's going to hold. Yeah, it's just going to be the right. Sorry, go on. It's 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 just the it's just the sheer hatred of this decision. Like Eric Carlson called a crap. Says whoever made the call doesn't know what they're doing. Yep. Um, and what's interesting is how they work things in the NBA. They managed to not have a lockout for the first time in about two decades. And you look at who's on the players' association: Chris Paul, a NBA star, is the president. LeBron James, we all know who he is. He's the yep. first vice president. Steph Curry and Carmelo Anthony are on the executive board. So I'm wondering how much of an impact going forward are the hockey stars going to have in the Players Association? Yeah, how the voice Donald Fair is going to have. We were we were talking about this before when it like when it was first announced about like you know like Ovechkin said that he was going to leave and Taze uh, like made public because Taze is one of those guys who hardly you know his hardly has ever been you know like a uh, made made a point in here, so this is like a sticking point for Taze. It's, it seems like it's um, you know it's something when Taze speaks out, um, but like you know like they need a, like a lot of stars to basically say like, hey, this isn't we we want to go like guys like Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid, Patrick Kane, um, like pretty much every face of the NHL. So Brent Burns, um, Eric Carlson has already said something. Patrice Bergeron, all those guys, um, that was just on the top of my head, but, like, all those guys need to say something or, like, do something to let the league know that, like, hey, like, if, if, like, enough stars of the league are upset with the NHL about this, I think the NHL might change their mind a bit. But, and you're and we're talking about stars but, that rake in tons of yeah. merchandise revenue, right? Like the guy, the guys that have like top ten jersey sales kind yeah, of thing. Exactly. Although at the same time, like that was like a that was the reason why the NHL didn't want to do it because they they're not making money for the jersey because they want to sell jerseys, you know, for in their store, but they're not allowed to do that from the IOC. So it might be like it's one of those things where you can blame the NHL a lot. But it's also like this comes at the IOC for not uh, doing what they've always done um, before. So, um, like you know, it's it's weird too because like when you look at like the NBA, it's a little different because their Olympics are after the NBA season, so it doesn't interrupt their NBA season. Whereas like the Winter Olympics are in February, which is in the middle of the NHL season, so. Um, it's one of those things where it's kind of like tough to say like, you know, oh, you're going to willingly take two weeks off of the, um, of the NHL regular season and the NHL isn't getting anything back for it other than like this growth of the league. Um, and I guess that's just not enough. 
And yet Batman saying, oh, if it was, you know, if we did this in the summer, yeah. it didn't interfere with our season, how we totally go. And yeah. yet he's just saying, well, it doesn't grow any I will say, the game. So yeah. he just counter-argued his argument, right? Right, right, exactly. And I will say this, because the, the next Winter Olympics after South Korea is in, uh, is in China. Yeah. Um, Where and they I, have preseason games land. Yeah, they have a preseason game in China. Um, but the, the thing here is that like, we just, you just know that they're going to, they're going to try to go to the China Olympics cause that's going to be a big growth for them in South Korea. So I, I think if like these Olympics were in like, let's say Russia again, uh, Sweden, uh, Finland, you know, USA, one that has like already a huge hockey market already, um, then yeah, the NHL would go in a heartbeat. Like it would already have been decided. But uh, now it's like, since it's in South Korea, they can't really make um, a ton of new fans there. And, you know, you'd have to get up at 3 in the morning. But, I mean, if there was NHL players playing the Olympics in 3 in the morning, I'd, I'd wake up. I'd give up sleep for two weeks just to watch those games, um, which is crazy. Um, now, here's, here's, here's another thing. I was going to go to the next point. You, but okay. You, Sorry. Okay. Well, well this will be just, your last point. A, here. Yeah. So, just another thing: you have these up-and-coming talents from other countries that could become NHL stars someday. Yeah. Like this kid from Japan named Ito Aguchi. I don't know if you've heard of him. He yeah, went I think to Canada so. to spend time with a YouTuber hockey trick shot star named Brandon Pavel Barber, and he's not tall, but he's got plenty of skill. He took part in three elite-level tournaments in Canada last year. He was named the scoring champion in two of them. <laughs> And he's only 11. Yeah. He doesn't speak that much English even. And yet when Pavel shows him a new trick, he picks up on it pretty quick. And these are the talents you need to raise and not push down. Yep. Everyone's saying he won't last a second at this junior level. He's going to get creamed every time he steps on the ice. So what if you can shoot it and dangle? He won't, right. be, he won't be in the Olympics. This is the kind of crap that doesn't allow the NHL to grow their brand. If he makes it big, this kid I think is going to inspire his country. And others to in his country to he's do well. He's Chinese, right? Uh, J- Japanese. Oh, he's Japanese. Okay, I thought he was but, Chinese. But yeah, Pavel Barber's trying to inspire this kid to learn more and do well, and and just silence the critics. Yeah. And it takes a, a generational player like Ito uh, and others like him to start a countrywide movement. Yeah. Like, think and that doesn't years. happen if you don't have the yeah. Olympics here. Yeah. In, in thirty years, if he makes an impact, you but, wonder where Japan sits amongst the world's best in yeah. thirty years. As of right now, they sit nowhere. South Korea, it's the same thing. Yeah. But if you put these guys in the Olympics and they're playing on the biggest stage, the NHL, you could inspire a lot of people to believe that if Ito can do it, True. so can they. And it True. doesn't matter if they grew up in Japan or China or South Korea or the UK. Yeah. Well, yeah, that is a good point. Like China is near South Korea, I believe. And it's, it's one of those things where, like, you need to grow, like, the Asian brand. I don't think there's any, like, Asian country in the Olympics for hockey or, or that strong. And that's, like, another market that they can tap into. So that yeah. is a good point. Um, so it's, like, South Korea, whether it's South Korea, China, Japan, wherever, except for North Korea. Um, it, uh, <laughs> for obvious reasons. Yeah, for yes. obvious reasons. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it makes sense to grow the game there, even if it is in like a, you know, weird like country like that. But whatever. Um, 
<laughs> it's it's just frustrating. We can go. This is another topic where we could go on forever. And also, I hate how they announced it like now because they knew that everyone was going to be talking about the playoffs instead of this. So this would yeah. have been like this. We could have talked about this for a, for a while now. Instead, I think it will drag into the off season too. Yeah, it's like like they thought that like oh we're going to announce this now, so it's going to drown out all the because of the playoffs and stuff. <laughs> But everyone's going to be talking about it, like in the summer. It's not going to. It's not going to change As it, before you know? the schedule's being made. Probably exactly. It's like whatever. Um, uh, also, another thing. Oh, do you think the U.S. has been robbed of another generation-defining moment here? Yes, yes, yes. Well, I was, I was, I, I kind of forgot about this because you have guys like Jack Eichel, uh, Austin Matthews, Ghost Bear. Um, although he has had a down year this year. Um, there's like a couple of other Brandon Saad, um, those guys, Johnny Goudreau, like those are going to be their first Olympics. And then also you have guys like Patrick Kane, Joe Pavelski, um, uh, Patrick Kane, Phil Kessel, Jonathan Quick, Jonathan Quick. Those guys that's probably going to be their last Olympics, or they're you know they're yeah, going to be, be in their, their mid thirties come twenty twenty two. So it's so this this would have that's the more frustrating from an American point of view. Um, and someone who's kind of seen like a championship from all four of my sports teams. This is the only uh, championship that I haven't seen. Um, is a gold medal from the U.S. hockey team. So um, yeah, this would have been the best. Ye- this would have been the best year, the prime year for U.S. hockey. If they were going to win a gold, it would have been this year. I don't know if they would have beaten Canada, but that's, that's always going to be the case. Um, but I feel like. This this season, the 2018 team would have been their best team if they developed it right. Um, so that's just that's just frustrating. Um, and if they win in the South Korea Olympics, it doesn't count. Um, I don't I don't care what you say; it doesn't count. Um, Lindy yeah, Ruff, and, 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 like you, you're just sick and tired of watching the 1980. You want uh, yeah. Miracle on Ice? It's exactly. great and all, but you want to see something live. Yeah, exactly. You, you weren't alive when 1980 no, happened. I wasn't, I wasn't I alive wasn't when 1980 happened. Yeah, but like you're not a, you're not American. You don't you have you've already seen like four gold medals. Yeah, already. I know. I've been spoiled. I know. I know. You're like a Patriots fan here. Um, <laughs> Lindy Ruff uh, is out as the Dallas Stars coach. I'm sure we'll talk about the Olympics a lot in the off season. As yeah, well, just just, just quickly, one more quick thing. Where do they get the players from? OHL? Are the OHLers going to loan their guys? The AHL? Isn't it? I thought it was one of those things where the it has to be an NHL, um, like any NHL drafted player, even in the AHL or OHL, they it can't use. So it's going to be like a lot of college guys and like people, in the, players in the CHL um, who haven't been drafted by a team yet. What's also interesting, though, if, if Ovechkin wants to go and Leonis gives him permission, right. what happens if Holtby or Backstrom... I'm actually going to... You can't just let everyone do that. I'm going to call... Yeah, exactly. And, like, because then that just sets a whole precedent where, like, guys like, you know, Shannon Kirk, Oshie, um, yeah, Kuznetsov, Carlson, yeah, those guys are all going to... Yeah, exactly. So those guys, that's probably... So that's why I'm, I think I'm going to call Leonis's bluff. I don't think he's going to... Let uh, Ovechkin and those capitals go um, as much as he wants to. I know he's he's that guy, but I don't think he's going to do it just because of that, just because of the precedent. precedent. Yeah. 
Uh, let's get going. I'm sure we're going to talk yeah, about the a Olympics lot of coaching more. Casualties, apparently. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we should try to predict the other coaches firing because I'm sure there's there's more to come. Uh, Lindy Ruff. Yeah, maybe in the middle of a playoff run, a playoff team's going to fire yeah, their coach. That, that could happen. That's happened before, right? <laughs> uh, Lindy Ruff um, was the first one. He got uh, he got axed by the Dallas Stars. Um, this I've been seeing that like this wasn't necessarily like Lindy Ruff's fault. It was more Jim Neal's fault for not getting a better goaltending. Um, but at the same time, I feel like Neil, like Lindy Ruff, could have uh, been a better coach. Um, like they were, you know, they they won the their division last year, um, and then they, you know they failed this year. Um, you know, Sagan and Ben kind of have fallen off the map almost. Um, so I don't know. I think uh, this should be interesting to see uh, what the stars do in the off season, like who they're going to replace. Cause now the, all the pressure is on Jim Neal cause he now has to find a new head coach and he now has to find, um, and he has to fix this goalie issue. Um, and we'll see if that happens or not. Um, but we'll see. Um, who, who do you think? Yeah, is? You, you look at the fact that uh, you look at the fact that Lindy Ruff recorded forty or more wins in his first three years. Uh, only recorded thirty four this year. And to be fair, they had a rash of injuries throughout yeah, the year. That's Different true. players got hurt. That's true. But again, it wasn't enough to save Lindy Ruff from Jim Neal and his trusty axe because they were in the top ten in goals per game for the last three years, top three for two straight years. Uh, they averaged all over three goals per match in the last two years. It dropped from last year. It was at 3.23. This year, 2.71. They ranked 17th overall in goals per game this year. Yeah. Two years ago, they had the fifth worst goals against per game this year. They finished with the second worst. Power play went from 22.1 to 17.9 in one year, dropping 16 spots. Penalty kill finished below 75% and dead last in the league. I agree that most of this is on Jim Nil because the defense is inexperienced. Their goaltending did jack all for them this year but again they had average defense and average goaltending last year and they won 50 games and they only won 34 this year so he does he doesn't he he shouldn't take all the blame but i think some of the blame falls on lindy ruff and i think unfortunately he just wasn't the right fit for them yep um willie desjardins is out as the canucks coach um I mean, it's it's weird to see um, see this because you know the Canucks are rebuilding now, so it's like it's not as big of a deal. But um, yeah, he's out as the coach. Um, I'm not sure who's going to replace either one of these guys, but um, Gerard Gallant is a guy that would be interesting to see. And for Dallas, I'm not sure who Vancouver is. I'm not even sure if it really matters at this point because Vancouver is a couple of years away from actually contending, but. Um, yeah, Willie De- Desjardins is out. Um, yeah. What's interesting is the quote, I saw this from Complete Hockey News, Dave Tiger Williams uh, said, the Canucks have some good talents. They, he likes the coaching staff. The leadership at the top, a.k.a. Trevor Linden, is zero. So he yeah. doesn't think the problem is with the coaching staff. He thinks it's from up top. So Interesting. Yeah, yeah, Trevor Linden's got some haters, and I guess Tiger Williams uh, made it known that he doesn't like necessarily what he's doing. And uh, I that that was before Willie Desjardins got fired. So yeah, 
Yeah, uh, it's <laughs> it's unfortunate though. I mean, that no one expected anything out of Vancouver this year. Anyway, we all knew they were probably right. going to miss the playoffs. Uh, it it just sucks that um, Willie Desjardins was the casualty. I mean, yeah. they 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 finished last because they weren't a good team, and um, I, I it'll be interesting to see how they approach the Sedin situation because I think if Vancouver yeah, wants to get younger, the Sedins they need to get something for them, and yeah. I think in the off season is the best time to do it. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, Dale Talon is back as the Florida GM. Mark Rowe is out as coach. Um, they have a we- Florida is a weird team here with this whole situation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Mark Rowe is out as coach. Um, it would be funny if they rehired Gerard Gallant again. <laughs> that would add to the whole chaos there. Well, as yeah. he, he, I think, I think Vinny Viola. Uh, wasn't a big fan of Gallant. Like he had, I think he was biting heads. With, I, I'm uh, joking, Viola but it'll be there. funny. So I, I think if if that's the case, then I don't think it gets rehired. Gallant yeah. is really the only coach that I can think of that would be hired for all three of these teams. But um, yeah. I, I I'm not even sure what other coaches are out there. I guess there's Dallas Eakins, right? Um, there's uh, guess Hitchcock could come out of retirement, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, who else? Uh, I know, like, I know the Bruins year. were thinking. Capuano, Capuano. Capuano, that's true. Uh, I know the Bruins were thinking of getting this guy from Providence if Cassidy didn't work out. Um, so he could have, he could go to another team. Um, but yeah, I, I'm blanking on his name. Maybe some assistant coach somewhere. Um, Denver won the Frozen Four. Uh, they beat Minnesota Duluth. Uh, Will Butcher, who's from Denver, who, you know, went to Denver, he's a Colorado defenseman, he, uh, won the Hobie Baker, um, Denver also has Troy Terry, who is the, uh, the world junior hero for the U.S. team, um, so, uh, yeah, Denver won, um, I thought it was gonna be Notre Dame and, uh, um, Harvard, but it wasn't, um, <laughs> the other two teams, but yeah, uh, Denver deserved it. I think they won like five two in that game. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, which was semifinals? Or, no, the finals. Or uh, three two was the final, I believe, in that game. Yeah. Um, Actually, you know that Jared Lucas Vicious scored a second period hat trick in less than eight minutes to get it done for them. I I just hear that Troy Terry becomes the third player to win NCAA's. World Junior Golds in the same season, which is kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, also, Denver's Will Butcher, the second in school history to win the Hobie yeah. Baker, first since Matt Carl in 06. Um, Will Butcher is actually a Colorado defenseman, so um, I could see him playing for Colorado next year. We'll see. Um, the U.S. women uh, win the World Juniors. Um, after like a week ago, they you know they just made that deal and they won the worlds the the week after. Um, so it kind of shows that um, they you know they signed the world champions, I guess. Um, so yeah. Yeah, uh, Canada they they beat Canada three two in overtime in the gold medal, yeah. uh, four straight gold medal at the women's world hockey championship for the U.S. Uh, what really caught my attention though was the Finns beating Canada four to three. In the round robin stage, prior to that game, nobody besides the Americans had defeated the Canadians 
and double IHF women's hockey, which tells me that Canada's quest for a fifth straight Olympic gold medal just got that much tougher because now Finland has a win against them. It's not just the U.S. they have to deal right. with. Um, all right. So I have a feeling that the end could be near for that streak. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, so now we have the CHL playoffs. I'm going to uh, tune out for a bit, but uh, it's an hour 40, so don't go on too long, but I'll, I'll let you talk on um, the update for the playoffs. Okay, well, the 67s, um, this day back to round one. Uh, last check, they were down one nothing to the Steelheads, won a very chippy game two to even the series, uh, which ended with an empty netter and a last-minute uh, shot by the other team uh, after the 67 scored. Um, Mississauga took game four, two to one. Um, and in game four, things really got out of hand. I'll explain later. Ottawa ended up losing that one six to four. So long story short, heading into game five, they were down three to one, uh, trying to stave off elimination 24 hours later. And Mississauga outshoots Ottawa in game five, 54 to 19. And they outshot him 40-10 to 10 in the final two periods. But Leo Lazarev was playing out of his mind hockey. Seemed like he was making one 10-bell save after the next. Ended up finishing the game with 54 saves. And thanks to a couple of timely goals by Ottawa, the 67s got an extra lifeline. And Game 6 at home as they won that game 5-3. to three. Um, The remarkable part was that they were able to do all this without their captain, Travis Barron. Uh, one of their best defenders in Ryan Orban a second-year blue liner named Kyle Auger, who was suspended for two games, and their head coach, Jeff Brown, who was suspended for two games. Again, we'll talk a bit about that later. Uh, in game six, unfortunately, the clock struck midnight. They lost 5-1, to one, outshot heavily, once again, 44-20 to 20 in the game. Uh, with less than three to go in the second, uh, Mississauga was up 4 to nothing. Ryan McLeod had three helpers. His brother, Mike, had two goals and two assists. And both would go on to add another helper to pad their stat lines a little bit. Uh, the big storyline was the Steelheads went 5-0 and at TD Place this year. And they were victorious in each of their three playoff games at Lansdowne Park. Uh, and if you were to ask me where things went wrong, that's probably where it did. At, at home for the 67s, they were terrible. Um, only the Barry Colts had more losses on home ice than Ottawa this year. Um Ottawa had 20 regulation losses. Barry had 20. Uh, but the good news is for Ottawa, they had a lot of bright spots on their team. Uh, on defense, they had Noel Hoffemeyer, who recorded seven points in six games to lead the Barbara Poles in playoff scoring. He uh, added 14 goals and 40 points in the regular season. Draft-eligible defenseman come a long way in one year, and he should be getting some looks. And so will Austin Keating, who got 22 goals and 63 points in 67 regular season games also draft eligible. And then you look at the two Russians, uh, Leo Lazarev, undrafted, faced the second most shots at the end of uh, round one, 224 of them to be exact in six games. That's an average of 37.3 shots on goal per game. When he's on his game, he can really steal a game. So I think uh, the scouts might take notice of his talents. They may also do the same with Arthur Tanulin, but it's, a, it's tough to say. Top 20 score in the OHL this year, 85 points in 67 games. But at the age of 20, just running out of time to be drafted. And I think his hesitation to shoot the puck could hurt his stock value big time. Um, going into next year for Ottawa, consistency is a concern for all four of these guys, uh, Tanulin, Keating, Lazarev, and uh, Hoffenmeyer. 
but you can be sure they're going to get some looks again from the NHL scouts if they make enough good impressions. And you also look at Sasha Chemlevsky. If he can have a healthy season, he could turn into a promising talent as well. Uh, getting back to game four, though, this is one thing that really bugged me. And it's how the refs handled things. Um, Mississauga should have been called early in the game. Double minor for ice sticking. Keating was drawing blood on the ice. Refs get nothing. Give nothing to Mississauga. Then Barron takes a minor penalty. Gets two for unsportsmanlike conduct on top of that two minutes. And a minor. The refs let a lot of stuff go before that. They call the exact same thing they didn't call before. It, it's a little thing called inconsistent officiating, and nothing ruins a good hockey game like inconsistent officiating. It's good to know and then that. You look at the score sorry. in the second period. It's four. Uh, sorry. I was going to say it's it's good to sorry, know I, that I, I inconsistent heard... officiating is uh, commonplace. Yeah, it's not just not in just the NHL. NHL. I yeah. don't know if you could tell. Yeah, yeah, I see it a lot in the OHL too. Um, <laughs> Sorry, keep on going. But anyways, again, the inconsistent officiating. This is where the score gets out of hand. Four to one in the second period. Bunch of fights break out. OJ comes off the bench for Ottawa to help out. That's how he gets two games. Jeff Brown gets two games for I guess the way he handled the situation. Um, and then Nick Hague of the Mississauga Steelheads gets a hold of Travis Barron, takes him down, appears to eye gouge him, and then punches him in the face when he's down on the ice. Uh, of course, the OHL suspended him indefinitely. He should have been suspended. Uh, but again, all of this could have been avoided if the refs set the tone early and made it clear enough to both sides any crap from either side will result in serious consequences. And by letting so much go so early in the game, it allowed things to escalate, and we are where we are today because of the fact that uh, things got so heated. And these guys weren't rookies either. These were OHL veterans officiating. And if this is the kind of officiating that we're getting at the OHL level, where do you expect the NHL to go down the road? Where do you think some of their refs come from? They come from the lower levels. They work their way up. They make it to the NHL. I think there's a lot of good refs out there. Don't get me wrong. Not all refs are bad. But I'm wondering if the pressure and nature of this job is forcing more and more of them out the door. Because, as you know, it's a thankless job. And it's very easy to be an armchair quarterback and a critic from the stands when you see things that maybe the referee doesn't. Because they don't have eyes in the back of their head. They can't catch everything. And you see a lot of fans and coaches getting in their face in minor hockey, especially if they make a bad call. And we're starting to see more and more of it at the major junior A levels. And maybe it's because they don't have the access to the same kind of technology as the NHL does, the pros do, to review plays and make the right call. I can see that in some cases. But in this case, there's just a lot of simple stuff that went uncalled on one shift. And then the next shift, they call it. It just really gets my blood boiling, and I'm just fed up with watching a good game getting soiled by a subpar call. And I don't know what we have to do to improve things, but um, it, it just really grinds my gears. But uh, just I, I have some other uh, important things to yeah. make note of in the playoffs, but I was just wondering if you wanted to rant on the refs a little bit. I'd give you the opportunity. Well, I didn't, I didn't watch any of the, the – uh... CHL, but I can tell you, you on the you NHL, see, I get you it. You see that in the college hockey level, though. Um, yeah, I guess so. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't even watch as much college hockey as you do for CHL stuff. But um, I mean, definitely in the NHL, where I get like frustrated, <laughs> angry at the refs for um, almost every game for inconsistencies. But yeah, I, I, it's not surprising that you're angry at the refs here. <laughs> Just yeah. yeah. 
Sorry, go, I remember go a few Bruins games you were. Yeah, um, exactly. So, so taking a look at the rest of the OHL p- picture, the Owensound attack could be the beast of the West here. Um, they went up 3-1 on Kitchener in round one, won the game 7-4. to four. It was tied at four after 40 minutes. They outshot the Rangers uh, 29 to five in the final 20 minutes. Outscored them three to nothing in the first. They outshot them 30 to five through 60. They outshot them 71 to 20, which is ridiculous. Over a shot on goal per minute, incredible. And then they won the series in Game Five. They scored 27 goals over those five games. Uh, going up against second seed Susie Marie, who bested Flint in a five-game series. The Otters swept Sarnia. 29 goals in their four-game sweep. Uh, and as I mentioned before, Windsor London was the most likely to go seven games. It did go seven games. Uh, the Four of the first five were decided by two or less, and three of those decided by just one goal. Windsor, believe it or not, was up 3-1 to one in the series. But you know what? The Knights are like cockroaches. They just won't die. And they come back from the grave down 3-1. They take the series in seven games, so... Logan Brown's Windsor Spitfires are done. The good news is they host the Memorial Cup, but um, I, I still think they could be a Memorial Cup. Uh, they could be a tough Memorial Cup draw because they were neck and neck with London for most of that series. So uh, don't count out the Spitfires by any means, even though they're eliminated. Uh, looking at the QMJHL, five of the eight first round matchups were sweeps. Uh, Thomas Shabbat, Sea Dog, uh, beat Ramuski in four. Um, after four games, he had three goals and ten points. Um, Charlottetown over Bay Como. Philip Schlappick finished with a goal and four points in four games. Not really dominant, but um, he, he was decent against Bay Como. Um, in those four games, the Islanders gave up six goals, so Charlottetown could be deadly uh, in the queue. And then Gatineau was down 3 nothing to Cape Breton, clawed their way back to force game seven, and lost game seven in overtime. Just heartbreaking. And then you look at the WHL. Nolan Patrick's injury plague season hurt the defending champs from Brandon. Wee Kings swept by Medicine Hat in the first round. Uh, Tigers, though, to be fair, they won 51 games in the regular season, scored 350 goals in the regular season. Uh, uh, Sam Steele with the Regina Pats. Anaheim Ducks prospect, four goals and 10 points in his first four playoff games. He got 50 goals and 131 points in 66 regular season games, which is massive considering he got 70 points the year before. That's almost double that, uh, what he got this year. And then finally, game six between Everett and Victoria in round one lasted over 151 minutes. That's five overtimes and change. Ended with the Silver Tips edging the rails 3-2 in the game and 4-2 in the series. Uh, longest game in WHL history and the longest game in CHL history. Griffin Outhouse stopped 75 shots in losing effort. Carter Hart, the winning goalie for um, the Everett Silvertips, also a Flyers prospect. He made 66 saves of his own. Wow. So uh, a lot of drama in the CHL already, and we're into round two now. Nice. Um, I assume that's it, right? Yep. All right. Uh <laughs> Uh, when are the, when is the Memorial Cup? I didn't realize. Was... Uh, I think it starts May 18th. Okay. So it's coming up, uh, it coming fast up. and furious. All right. Well, we're almost at the two hour mark, so, uh, we, we should, uh, end this here. Um, the, uh, social media is at, on, uh, our Facebook is Lace Em Up Podcast. Uh, our Twitter is Lace Up 
podcast. Um, you can email us at lacempodcast at gmail.com. Any questions, any comments, anything really? Uh, laceupbag at gmail.com. What, I thought I said that, but okay. Laceupbag. Yeah, you said lacempodcast at gmail.com. It's laceupbag at gmail.com, okay. just enough for We should make those consistent. It's Monday, though. so it's, it's yeah, fine. It's fine. Um, yeah, if you're still listening, I, I don't know if you're still listening. Uh, you yeah, probably, probably my rant just drove yeah, all of them away. <laughs> exactly. Um, if you're, uh, if you are somehow still listening, you're probably listening on SoundCloud. Um, subscribe there, uh, follow us there, um, or, um, or you're, uh, subscribe to us on iTunes where it'll be downloaded automatically. Every new episode will be downloaded automatically, um, and you'll get newest updates for every episode, um, at that point. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Um, unless, wait, let me just check if there's more hockey news that we missed. Yeah, wait, did me, another coach get fired? Yeah, or? that'll be funny. <laughs> Should we just say, like, David Hackstall is getting fired? Uh, let me just say that before before it happens. Oh, uh, we might jinx him. <laughs> we might jinx him. Um, nope, no, no yeah, one's that, been fired yet. That could be the, the next one, but... Yeah, yeah, just... I, I'm going to predict that David Hackstall will be fired within a week. Um, I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in a more condensed version, episode 73 of the Lace Em Up podcast. Go Bruins.